Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey there, Michael here. This is a special edition or special series for the Thriving Farmer podcast that talks all about the amazing benefits and the amazing opportunity with growing elderberries. So uh, this is an audio version. Now we do have a video version of this series as well. It's a four part video series. So I and highly encourage you to head on over to elderberryworkshop.com and you will get all the details and the videos as well as some additional resources we have put together around growing elderberries. So I'll head on over to elderberryworkshop.com and get all the details about the workshop. Hey there, Michael here with yet another episode. And here I have today, I have Terry Durham, who has been growing, teaching, and sharing the joy of elderberries for over two decades. Terry is the owner of River Hills Harvest, an elderberry brand which takes elderberries and turns them into a line of products. Through the River Hills Harvest brand, Terry aggregates elderberries from growers across the Midwest. River Hills Harvest produces products are made with 100% pure premium elderberry juice. Uh, and you also do education. You have a, a destemmer machine. You're a very busy guy. Welcome. Well, it's so nice to be here today. Yes. Yeah, we have a vertically integrated business from growing the plants all the way through making the products and the, the equipment the growers need. So we're glad to be here today. Yeah. So, Terry, talk to me. How did you first learn about the elderberry? How did you get involved? Well, I started market gardening and growing vegetables many years ago. We did our first market or gardens organic in the late 70s and we grew wholesale and we grew vegetables for about 20 years mm -hmm. and we were ready to change over to something that was much more permanent and I loved elderberries it was kind of a family tradition we would pick them we'd make jelly in fact the jelly we make is still my grandma's recipe that we've been keeping alive and about the same time the university started the elderberry improvement program to start okay. to select new elderberry varieties and to get us a lot of basic research on the American elderberry as opposed to the European. So we were just starting to see more European elderberry come in as a concentrate that was being sold as a health product. So we, you know, we put that right together. We can grow these here. It just hasn't been developed. So that was my interest, and that started in about 1998, and then we started planting our orchards about 2005. As soon as they had released the selections they were working with, and they were proven, and we had more information on how to grow them and what to expect. So from there, we started, uh, after two years, we were able to start making juice, once we had some juice, we were able to start to convince other farmers that it was a real thing. We could make money on this and we've yeah. been teaching and yeah. helping growers get started ever since. So talk us through a little, you know, kind of the overview um, of the elderberry, uh, like just the process. You plant the plants, you, they grow for a couple of years, you start harvesting the berries. Um, walk us through that in a little more detail. 
you know, since elderberries are really easy plant to grow from cuttings. So we take vegetative cuttings or cuttings off of the original stock that was proven in the trials. And that's what we sell to the growers are these dormant sticks that have a couple buds on either end. Bottom has a 45, so you know which way down is. And you can take those and we have to plant those generally in our prepared beds. Now in the next few months are the big planting time for elderberry. So you want to prepare your beds about 12 feet apart, your rows are, and then we'll put on about two to three inches of compost on the top of the beds, work that in nice because they love compost. And we'll get the soil, you know, adjusted, do all the good things you need to do to grow a crop. And then we will direct plant those sticks right into the ground, into those beds, about two foot apart. Okay. We like that. That's a high density planting. Um, we like the high density plantings because you get more profit and yield that second and third year because you have more stems in your field. So that takes advantage of your infrastructure, all the irrigation and all the stuff that you're putting out there. You're utilizing that to the max then. So they will, they'll sit there. You want to keep them, keep them weeded. Some people will use weed mat to put, to plant through. Some people use black plastic. Some people just use a heavy mulch that they put on there and they'll let them grow the first year, keep the flowers picked off, which you can use for teas or anything that first year. And then the second year, they'll spring up and grow even more and produce a nice crop for you. If you take care of them the first year, they'll take care of you the second. We like to see a a big fence around it and irrigation on it. They like to have a lot of good water. You know, success in Farming is about mitigating as much of the risk as you can. And so we encourage people to have a good deer fence, good irrigation, and well-prepared beds before they start. Mm-hmm. After you've grown your crop, we teach you how to harvest it. You can pick those big climbs off, and uh, we make a piece of equipment for the farmers to use to put the whole heads in there that will destem them. We have a hand-operated one and also a machine one that you can do about 500 pounds an hour through wow once you clean those we teach you how to sanitize them do all the things to make good agricultural practices and to please the fda with our berries so you'll be able to sell them on the big market anywhere you want to yeah we usually pack them into 25 pound pails but smaller growers can put them into three pound packs five pound packs and yeah. sell those out of their freezer and get that premium price of yes. $10 or more a pound for them. Now, one thing you were saying right before we started recording was the most of the elderberry coming into the U.S. right now is coming from Europe. And it's a dried product typically. And to walk us through kind of the process they do and why the American elderberries are so much superior, especially if they're frozen or freeze-dried. Well... In Europe, they freeze their berries unsanitized and washed generally on the stems. And then they will take the frozen berries and they'll let them thaw on. And a lot of the juice will run out of them before they try to de-stem them and dry them. And so they've lost a lot of the juice in the process that they used to take the dried elderberries. So they're just not as strong as they could be. And the European berries, you have to cook more 
and you need to heat them up so that you can get rid of the precursor of cyanide, unlike the American. So the American berries, it depends, you know, they are whole berries. A lot of growers will dry those fresh right out of the field. They have some different processing advantages there where they stay good purple color in our products, especially in the juice, whereas the European berry has to be more stabilized before it can be used in products. And so we, we think the American is just a lot better berry, especially if you're gonna buy the difference between a dried elderberry and a freeze-dried elderberry. The freeze-dried elderberries have all the juice, everything yeah. in them. They were frozen the day they were harvested and then go directly into the freeze dryer. So you can't get any fresher than that. Yeah. You know, we think the American elderberry is a lot better for processing. It makes better medicine for people. And we're just a small little percentage right now. The United States imports almost all of its elderberry, 95% or more of the products that you see are made with the Niagara European elderberry because that's what is most available. So that builds in this great demand for American growers to have little bits and to work to use it in their community. Much easier for you and your community to convince your neighbors that it's better and good medicine than it is for me to do it everywhere. Yeah. So we think that's a great advantage for American growers. What's the total dollar volume being uh, an elderberry in the U.S.? Well, in the U.S., I believe last year, the last I heard, there was about a $270 million industry. Okay. It was the number one selling uh, herbal supplement in the health food stores. Wow. And so this is huge demand. It's growing yeah. faster than we can grow berries here. But we would like to see more and more growers so that we can start to really compete with the European berries that are inferior, that are being brought in. Yeah. All right. Now, one of the big questions people go for is they're like, okay, so, all right, I want to grow elderberries, but what varieties uh, are there out there? And, you know, which ones should I grow? So let's walk through, I think there's, was there six main varieties, five main varieties right now? Well, there, yeah, those are the ones that we work with most. There are a number of others that have been regionally selected over the years. And so okay. there's more of that regional selection by growers going on. Mainly, we try to work with the ones that have the research done on them so that we know that they have the high levels of antioxidant. They have the even ripening of the clumps that we're always looking for. They stool well or come up from the total coping that we practice. So those are the main things that we're looking for in the varieties. The first one that the university released was Wildwood. And Wildwood is a beautiful, tall, very indeterminate type of plant. Indeterminate elderberries mean that they were going to set some fruit, flowers, set a little bit of fruit, then they'll grow some more, set some more flowers and some more fruit. So like an old indeterminate tomato, they produce over a long season. They don't really make any more total volume more, but they do give you a lot longer season to harvest the flowers or the berries. So it's it's a really nice one. It comes from down in um, in Oklahoma, okay. around Eufaula, Lake Eufaula, I think is the original one. I've seen that the original plant was huge and beautiful. They'd taken great care of it. It produced 60 pounds of fruit off of the one bush one year. 
So wow. that was introduced by Wildwood Sellers. Um, Marge Milliken was the main person that had been working that. And she's like the grandmother of the elderberry world. And okay. the Wildwood Sellers were the first ones to import the concentrate and begin to market that. And so they've spurred a beginning of elderberry producers wanting to grow stuff for them. Gotcha. So they, they also uh, have a wildwood too, but it's more of a flower variety. It's kind of harder to find. The okay. second one that the university introduced was Bob Gordon. Yep. And Bob Gordon is a beautiful plant. We really love Bob Gordon here in Missouri. It grows really well. It is a determinant, kind of the opposite on, on the way it flowers from the wildwood. So the determinant comes on, it blooms all at once. All the blooms come on pretty much at one time. And we're able to pick that just two times and get all the fruit off. It has really large, dark fruit. Um, the winemakers like it. They like the chemistry of the juice. is really good for making wine. There are a few people that are starting to make varietal elderberry wines like Bob Gordon. And it also has the nice thing that it turns its fruit upside down when it gets ripe. It's like a recumbent positioning. So instead of holding it up like an umbrella, for everything to light on and eat the fruit like a little landing pad for the birds it turns yeah. it upside down so it's harder for the little birds to get in there and eat the berries there's a little advantage in that then the the next one that we uh, like to grow a lot is ranch okay now ranch comes also from uh, kansas it's a shorter plant it seems to like to grow on a little more rugged soils. It takes the heat a little bit better. You see it growing really well down in Texas and down in the southern states. And then it's also doing really well up in Minnesota, up in the northern states. So the other advantage of ranch that we like a lot is that it's our earliest variety to bloom. And so it's the first one to come on with fruit in the spring. And then it is shortly followed, about the time it ends, the Bob Gordon will start. It's okay. also a very determinate type of elderberry. Any yeah, so it's going that? to do the same thing of all of its fruit at one point and, um, and uh, yeah, then be done. And then you move right on to the next one. One of the, one of the real advantages of that is that when you pick the fruit, the elderberries, and get them out of the field fast, you don't have as many problems with the Drosophila. The fruit fly can be a problem. If you leave too much fruit in there, it starts falling on the ground. You want to keep the fruit picked. So the determinants allow you, you know, within 10 to 14 days, you're picking the entire harvest. Yeah. So that's that gets them out of there so they can't build up. Now, the, the timetables I'm talking about are on the copus to the ground plants. Yeah. You don't copus them to the ground. They don't synchronize and bloom as well all together in, in their blocks. Yeah, and you actually, have, one, you actually have a video out that we'll link to that shows people the copusing and the cutting of the sticks. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good one about making cuttings because that's one of the advantages of elderberry. You can start with a small orchard that's like your nursery 
Yeah. And from there, you get your feet wet, you learn about growing them. And then after a couple of years, you can make 25 to 50 to one that you planted. And that's enough to start putting some acreage in. And then you've got your experience and know yeah. a little bit about it. So we really like to encourage people to, to, to do that. So the, the fourth one that we grow a, a lot that we still love is the old heirloom one that's been around for 100 years. And that's Adams too. It's a, it's an indeterminate. It's very yeah. similar to the wildwood, and it uh, comes. It's a little bit, uh, not quite the same blooming. Maybe just a couple of days later, it makes huge, big heads. The fruit is not quite as large. The berries are a little bit on the smaller side compared to the other ones, but it gets a lot of them. So it kind of makes up for not being as big and producing more berries per clump. Gotcha. It's a, it's, it's a really good plant. And when they've been around 100 years and people still are growing them and it's still one of the best ones out there, it's a, you know it's a superior plant. It's very yeah. vigorous growing. Now, some plants grow better north and some south. Uh, we think that the, the, the Bob Gordon and the... The Adams both do really well up north. They were more, they were developed up, you know, the Adams was a northern one. Yeah. Bob Gordon is one from Missouri. So it is uh, adapted here, but it does really well up north also. Because there, there's so many different kinds of elderberries. There are some elderberries down in Florida where it's warm that never even lose their leaves. And we're, and with uh -huh. some of the southern growers, we're starting to work with those a little bit. And the season's a little different down there. So yeah, yeah, working with growers in Georgia and North Florida there to work with some of the new selections. The oh. other new selection that we're fairly excited about, and the fifth one that we actually offer for sale, is the Pocahontas. Okay. Pocahontas has only been released for a short time. It's an incredibly vigorous plant. It's it seems to be very indeterminate. We've only been growing it for a couple of years since we were able to get it from the university. And it makes incredible heads. Some of the heads are up to 24 inches across the flower heads. They're just really, um, we'll, we'll get a picture of those on here for you. So you can show those off too. Yeah. So we really like the Pocahontas. There's not very much of it. So we've been spreading it around in smaller packages. So Lots of people can get to grow in it around the country and we can see how it's going to do everywhere. But it's, yeah. a, it, it's a very vigorous grower for us and very indeterminate. And those are the main ones that we grow. There's another one. The university has two others they've released, and that's the Ozark. We have not had much luck growing Ozark. It's been uh, difficult for us to start them in the greenhouse and stuff. So we've kind of ruled that one out. It's supposed to have really high antioxidants, but we just haven't got a good stand that'll and we don't feel comfortable getting people to try to start it. It doesn't start as well as the others for us. Gotcha. So people have better luck. And then the other one is one called Marge. Now Marge is a nigra. It's like the European type elderberry. Okay. So although it was a seedling, chance seedling found here by Marge from Wildwood Cellars, she found the plant. And it's probably be a seedling of, of one that they were playing with trying to grow early on. 
but it is uh, true European. Some people think it's a cross. She thought it was a cross to start with, but the researchers assured me it's a, it's a totally uh, a European type. It does grow here. And, you know, in the Midwest, the, the Nigras, the Europeans don't grow very well. They, there's a disease they seem to get, the bacteria that kills them. So this one seems to like it and live here. It does have really good flowers for flower production. They have the European smell that the European yeah. flowers have a little different smell than the American. So some people are growing that for flowers, but you have to prune it differently. You have to teach, treat it like a European elderberry, which means that you can't cut it down to the ground Okay. Copus it totally because it only fruits on two-year-old wood and older. So you grow it more like a little cherry tree where you're trimming the branches back every couple of years to maintain it. Gotcha. So those are the main ones that we grow, and they pretty much grow all over the country. And um, we love to see people growing them. We do guarantee people that if they buy the cuttings from us, if they don't grow, we'll replace them. Yeah, everyone to be successful with them. Now, let's say you're in the South, let's say Georgia down there. What varieties of the ones you listed have you seen do well down there? The Bob Gordon and Ranch both do okay. well. I was just two weeks ago down in North Florida with the North Florida Elderberry Grower, Elderberry Farm. Um, Chase Canaway's down there. He's been growing for a while. They were just coming up. He had pruned them to the ground a little bit later. But then we went and looked at a new one, which will be part of a, the new experimental ones the university is going to work with called Hamilton, which is a southern variety. Okay. We have high hopes for. Yeah. And it still had all of its leaves. And he had showed me a month ago, it had fruit and flowers at the same wow. time, still growing on it in the middle of winter. So yeah. then they had some pretty cold weather, the unusual cold weather. So yeah. we really like those down there. They seem to be growing good, especially the ranch seems to do well for him there in Florida. We're putting a couple of other new um, new orchards in up around Tifton, working with some peanut growers that are trying to diversify and get a little bit more money coming in. Okay. And so those do really well down there. You get to the to the northwest up in Oregon and Washington, on the other side of the continental divide, there are as another kind of elderberry or two that grow. There's the blue elderberry. We don't really grow that. But on the West Coast and in the drier areas, people are beginning to plant and work with the blue elderberry. And there's a great Facebook group over there of people that are working with that. I know Davis uh, University in California has got a grant to work with planting it in hedgerows and harvesting it. It's much harder to grow from cuttings. There's a lot to work with on it. There's a lot of wild ones out there that do that. Then there's also the red elderberry. You should never eat the red elderberry. It's, it's It has a lot of the toxins in it. Okay. So, but the blue elderberry will grow in all of the Western states also. So the one, the type that we grow, the canadensis, the yeah. which is the blue elderberry. Gotcha. Well, that was great. I mean, that was that laid out exactly the ones, you know, I've always seen the different varieties and I we have a bunch here, but I'm always was always like, what why are we looking at the different ones out there? So that was great. Tell us about your educational programs, because you've done a lot of that and you have some very detailed courses that folks can get. 
Yes, we've, we've worked really hard to uh, put our whole educational thing online. We have some really good classes. I can only travel so much and be at so many places and, you know, I give a lot of talks around, but you can never in a couple hours teach someone how to be a successful farmer. So I wanted to have an opportunity to give people enough information so that they can grow elderberries, take a lot of the risks and challenges out of there because you've got the knowledge base there to work with. You won't make as many mistakes. And I could take my time and get as much information in there as I could for everyone. So our online classes that you can get at elderberry, growelderberries.com is uh, really been successful. People are really happy with it. There are three individual classes on there that you can take. There's one on growing, everything about growing elderberries and mitigating all your risks. There's one on processing the elderberries, how to take those raw berries, get them cleaned and sanitized and packaged and ready to market them and the different stuff that goes with that. And then we have another third one on marketing itself. And so we try to cover all the bases is everybody, you know, if you're going to sell elderberries, you got to, you're going to be doing all three of those things probably. So the yeah. deal, you can buy the bundle, you can save some money. And we think it's a great opportunity for people to learn yeah. about elderberries. It's still a new commodity. We're just growing it. Everybody is learning a lot all at the same time, but this gives you the information that I've collected over years to be successful. Yeah. And that you also have a little free course there too about the history of elderberry yeah. course too. So they can hop on there, right. grab that. Go on there. Yeah. And, Check uh, that out. And then once you, and if you sign up, there's all kinds of other bonus material on there that we've collected from other people and other things that we're doing to also give even more views and more education about it. Awesome. Well, Terry, this has been great. I really appreciate your time today. Um, super helpful. And uh, we can't wait to share this with our audience. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I am always glad to talk about elderberries because we think it's a great opportunity for small farmers to make some money and profit in farming. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. So that's a wrap, folks. And if you want to hear more about elderberries and get the video version of this presentation, head on over to elderberryworkshop.com where you can sign up to get all four sessions in a video format as well as additional resources on all things elderberry. So we have places to buy elderberries, places to get courses, more info to learn about the different speakers and all of that in this series. So head on over to elderberryworkshop.com. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer Podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.